Well, this is a first uh, for the Lakeside family. I have always wanted someone to explain to us from a Jewish perspective the Passover meal. Because when we receive Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, in fact, everything about redemption finds its roots in the Jewish Passover. But I have not known uh, of any Messianic uh, Jewish minister to do that for us until this past summer. I met Deke Silverman, and something, something ignited in my spirit. I've got to invite him to experience our Lakeside family. And I'm, we're getting a double blessing because he brought his wife here this morning, and I'll let him introduce her first name this morning because it's special. Would you put your hands together as the Silvermans come to minister to us this glad morning at Lakeside Assembly of God. God bless you. Well, glory to God. It's an honor to be here. The Lord is wonderful. Everybody just lift a hand and praise Him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is so wonderful. My name is Deke Silverman. This is my lovely wife, Joy. That's a special name, isn't it? I tell everybody many decades ago, I asked God for a scriptural wife, and He gave me the joy of the Lord. Praise God. I'll be telling you more about my background, but she was raised Pentecostal. How many have heard of those people? In Macon, Georgia, her father was the minister. And at least in the South, when you're the oldest daughter of a Pentecostal minister, you have to learn to play keyboard and sing soon after you walk. She's been such a blessing. Joy, why don't you greet these wonderful people? And I married the deacon of the Lord. I couldn't resist it. <laughs> The exciting part is being with you today to, to serve, to bless and honor and worship a risen Savior. Hallelujah. You're going to see a demonstration today that Jewish people have celebrated thousands of years. And you'll see how Jesus fulfilled every bit of it. Hallelujah. Because he was that sacrifice lamb. Scripture says there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus was willing and obedient. His life was not taken. He laid down his life so that our sins could be, could be covered by the blood. Aren't you glad today that Jesus put the blood on the doorpost of your heart and you're going to see the, his fulfillment? We're just so thrilled to be with you and invite you to press into his goodness and worship the Lord with us. Oh, the Lord is wonderful. We like to do the messianic music. That's the Jewish Christian music. Makes you want to clap your hands and shout and worship the Lord. This song was written by missionaries in Israel that wanted the Israelis to awaken to the fact that Jesus is Lord. And they took the verses from scriptures that said, oh, God's written you on the palms of his hands. How can he forget you? And he wants to mold you out of the fire from brass into gold. But this song, it's called Awake, O Israel. If you have at least one relative that is not saved and think they know it all and you'd love to shake them and say, would you wake up? Anybody have at least one of those? This will minister to you. Awake, O Israel. Awake, O Israel, put off thy slumber, and the truth shall set you free. For out of Zion comes our Redeemer in the year of Jubilee. For in the furnace of much affliction, 
in the highest oh the Lord is so wonderful how many believe we serve a miracle working God how many believe he is still on the throne indeed thank you Jesus he is so good he is so good you're gonna hear about the miracle of Passover this morning my father's family are Orthodox Jewish people from Pittsburgh Pennsylvania it wasn't until I was 20 years old I ever heard the phrase, born again. I never heard that phrase before. I thank God somebody had enough nerve to tell this young Jewish boy, I was 20 years old, that Jesus could be Lord of my life. Everywhere we go, we not only sing the Jewish Christian music, love to bring out the Jewish roots of the gospel, the Jewish roots of the word of God that Christians don't get a chance to hear. And I love to give some apologetics at first. I don't come here as a know-it-all because I'm a Jewish believer. Hallelujah. When I went to an Assembly of God church, I had to learn words I never heard before. About the third night I was there, they said, come on, Deke, we want to get to know you. We're going to go out and fellowship. I'd never heard that. I had no idea what they were talking about. I thought maybe we were taking a boat ride because <laughs> it ends in ship. I like to tell people I'm the one when I first heard the term epistles, I thought maybe they were the apostles' wives. Now I have a chance to bring back those Jewish roots of the Word of God. Glory to God. What I have in front of you is what's called a Haggadah. This is used at every Passover meal, every Passover demonstration, in every Jewish household, every synagogue in the entire world. A lot of times it's on a stand and they turn page by page. I like to have it loose in my hand because I move around when I preach and teach. How many have heard of the wandering Jews? I'm just one of them. Praise God. Haggadah means the telling. And it's told every year. The Passover story is a story that's been retold and told throughout the centuries. A story of miraculous transitions from slavery to freedom, from despair to hope, from darkness to light. Its greatness is the greatness of God. Its timelessness comes from the eternal truth of his involvement with his people. As God cared for the children of Israel in ancient times, think how much he cares for us, the born-again believer today. 
They say Passover can be summed up in three phrases. Miracles, redemption, and the mighty power of God to overcome the works of evil. In biblical days, Passover was kept for seven days. Any Jewish person, any Jewish adult that did not decide to keep Passover was thrown out of the Jewish community for one full year. They could celebrate no feasts, no festivals. It was that important. Now on the plate, you'll see the many items of Passover. You'll see the root representing horseradish. We also have ground horseradish, a hard-boiled egg, a sweet apple mixture called choroset. Hallelujah. The parsley and the wonderful lettuce leaf. I have here a Passover plate from Israel, all of it mentioned in Hebrew. Glory to God. And it talks about each and every element. The Passover plate is called the Seder plate because Seder is the Hebrew word for order. And it's always done in order and mostly the exact way with things added here and there. Now here's something a lot of people don't realize. In the Jewish communities, in the Old Testament, Testament days, in all the biblical days, even in the days of Jesus, there were always two Passover meals every year, and the religious Jewish communities still have it that way today. The first one is the night before Passover, because they keep days, the Jewish people, to this day and even back then, the same way they kept days throughout all the Old Testament. When the sun goes down, it's the morning of the next day. That's why the Jewish Sabbath, even though it's on Saturday, begins Friday night once the sun goes down. Who wants to know why they keep days that way? Because in Genesis 1, when God created those seven days, every one of them started with evening first. Amen? It says evening, morning, and the next day. That's important because the evening before Passover is when they have their first Passover meal. And that was the last supper Jesus celebrated with his disciples. One of his last earthly acts was the celebration of Passover. Gathering together with his disciples in a small room in Jerusalem, he led them in the Passover Seder. And in Luke 22, 15, Jesus said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He passed the elements among them. It was there in this context of the celebration that Jesus revealed the mystery of God and how he would bring redemption to his people. He spoke to them of his body and blood. He explained to them or tried to explain to them he would have to die. Here as we participate and see the Passover Seder, we will once again experience God's great plan of redemption. It is at this time, hallelujah, during the Passover meal that the lady of the household comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you have all those things you need, my love? We've been going from service to service, and it's been fun. Well, I have a moment. I mentioned it to Pastor. I want to mention to all of you, it's an honor to be here. We've been looking so forward to this. They use the scripture in Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall I fear? The Jewish woman lights the candles because she brings the precious light of tradition to the Jewish family. As we kindle the festival light, they say we pray for the illumination of the Spirit of God to bring great personal meaning to this celebration of Passover. Praise God.
Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam, Aker Shikikanu, Bidvaru Vishmanaknu, Honey wrote, Shel Yom Tov. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who has set us apart by your word, and it's in whose name we light the festival lights, Bashem Yeshua HaMashiach. Glory to God. Thank you, Joy. And as at this point, the lady of the household, praise God, they call her the queen of the household. Hallelujah. How many know the queen always gets what she wants? Glory to God. Puts the prayer shawl on the high priest of the household. Thank you, Joy, very much. The Messianic Jews, the Jews who believe in Jesus, also add this. As the light of redemption is kindled by the hand of a woman, we remember that our Redeemer, the light of the world, came into the world as the promised seed of a woman, as promised in Genesis 3.15. Sitting in front of us are four cups of grape juice representing four cups of wine. Each cup represents one of the great promises God gave Moses in Exodus the sixth chapter. The Lord had seen enough and he wanted to set his people free. He started off in the first verse of Exodus 6 saying, Now you will see what I will do. As the Lord spoke these words of encouragement to Moses, he revealed to his servant by the plan on how he would redeem the children of Israel. You are my Jewish family this morning. Are y'all with me? Praise God, if you're born again, see, you've already got spiritual Jewish blood in you. And just like the Jewish family, as I say, each one of these promises represented by the four cups of the grape juice, you'll repeat them after me. The first promise God gave Moses, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Oh, at Passover, as we celebrate these great promises of redemption and relationship, we drink from the four cups of grape juice, celebrating God's promises. The first cup to my far left is the cup of sanctification, represented by that first promise. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In Hebrew, it's called the Kiddush cup. And literally, it's called the cup of sanctification. And as believers in Jesus, we remember we are sanctified by our Messiah. This is the prayer they say. I'll say it in Hebrew and in English. I will add in Hebrew and in English also in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Baruch atah donai Eloheinu elecha alam. Borei peri hagafen bashem Yeshua hamashiach. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, and thank you for the, creating the fruit of the vine in the name of your Son, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. And we drink from the first cup of Passover. We are sanctified by the Lamb. As Jesus passed this among them in Luke 22, verses 17 and 18, he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. It is at this point where they celebrate the scripture that says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4? Who may stand in his holy place, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? And the head of the household, before he touches any food, washes his hands. Praise God. 
Throughout the centuries, the devil has tried to destroy the Jewish people because evil has felt like if the Jewish people had been destroyed, prophecy would come to an end. There would be no blood Jewish line to inhabit the land of Israel like what took place in 1948. Why do I say this? The Jews, because of the Passover ceremony, washed all their food throughout the centuries since the days of Moses, washed their hands before meals. When the Black Plague struck Europe in the Middle Ages, anti-Semitic Jewish haters blamed it on the Jews because a great portion of every society was affected by the plague except the Jewish community, only a small percentage. So they gathered up, the rest escaped, as many Jewish people as possible, bored them up in synagogues and burned it down and blamed them for poisoning the water when they had nothing to do with it. It was only decades later people found out it was because the Jews washed everything they ate and washed their hands It eliminated 95% of the plague. But it was during the washing of the hands in John, the 20th chapter, Jesus proceeded to wash the feet of the disciples. Glory to God. Glory to God. The first part of the Passover plate we'll be talking about. In Hebrew, it's called the carpus, but you and I know it as parsley. Parsley represents the hyssop. And they read this scripture in Exodus 2.23. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out for God. And their cry went up to the Lord and he delivered them. Now, this holiday comes in springtime when the earth is beginning to come green in life. This vegetable represents springtime because of its greenness. And uh, aren't you glad I helped my wife and I brought some Texas weather with us this weekend. We, we wanted everything to be warm. But this also represents the hyssop. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, where God began telling Moses everything to tell the children of Israel. He told them how to take the hyssop. Hyssop was a wild green plant that grew by the millions along the wayside. There was enough for every Jewish family and most of the Egyptian families if they wanted to join in. And they would grab a bunch of it and, and much like this, and tie a cord around it or, or tear off the bottom part of their vesture and tie it around it and use it as a brush. Because it was a green plant, remember it had little or no absorbency. Why do I say that? In Exodus 12... The verses 21 to 23, Moses is telling the elders of Israel how to tell the Jewish families how to put the blood of the lamb on the doors. They would take the lamb and slaughter it. In the earlier verses in that chapter, it mentions pour every drop of blood into a basin. Now, what I'm about to tell you, they have tried in modern times, and it works the same way. And they would take a bunch of hyssop, as God told them in those verses, and he would stir it in the blood, and Moses told them, strike the lintel, which is the top part, and the two side posts. Because it had little or no absorbency, the first place you struck was where the majority of the blood would splash out. They would strike the lintel, and the blood would pour down the front. Then they would strike the two side posts. Do you see what was happening? Approximately 1,500 years before the birth and death of Jesus Christ, the children of Israel had the blood of the Lamb on their doors in the form of a cross. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then during the ceremony, they take a little piece of the parsley, and everybody shares in this. And they dip it in the salt water. The salt water represents not just the Red Sea, but also the tears, the children of Israel cried because life was a life of pain and suffering in Egypt. And as I
pray over the parsley. This prayer will cover all the food items. You pray over each cup of grape juice, but one time over the meal. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, rule of the universe. Thank you for creating the fruit of the earth. In the name of your Son, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Then they take a bite and eat of the parsley, and the salt water reminds them of the tears of pain the precious Jewish people went through. Now comes the time where the youngest child, the youngest child who is able to ask the questions, usually it's about six or seven years old, sits at the right hand of the head of the household. Because God said in Exodus 12, 26, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then you will tell them. The whole family says together, how different is this night from all other nights? The first question the child asks, on all other nights we eat all kinds of bread. On this night, why do we eat only matzah? The second question, on all other nights we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we eat bitter herbs? The third question, on all other nights we don't dip our vegetables once if we don't want to. On this night, why do we dip them twice? And the fourth question, on all other nights we eat our meals sitting, reclining, or in any way. Why on this night do we eat reclining? And the head of the household said it is both a duty and a privilege to answer the four questions of Passover and to recite the mighty works of our God. The first question, on all other nights we eat bread in any way, with leaven or without leaven, but tonight we only eat unleavened bread. Why is that? I have before you what is called a matzah tosh. Tosh is the Hebrew word for unity. It has a section for three pieces of matzah. Glory to God. How many see that they see it representing the unity of the great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How many see it representing our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? This is rabbi-approved matzah. It's never approved unless it has stripes going down there. How many have read the scripture, by whose stripes you were healed? Each stripe has to have piercings. Now, I mentioned there were always two Passover meals because on the second Passover meal during the ceremony the head of the household will take the middle piece of matzah how many see it representing the son of God he will put it into a special pouch and it receives a new name called the afakoman literally afakoman means that which will return come on somebody say amen and at that point, during the second Passover meal, he leaves the room and no one's allowed to follow him. And somewhere in that home, he buries the middle piece of matzah. Then three days later, out of curiosity, how many days was Jesus in the earth? Three days later, the children of the household, many times you have cousins and other relatives coming over. The Jewish community has the whole week off because three of the seven feasts take place during that first week of the year. Early in the morning, three days later, the children of the household search that house for the middle piece of matzah. The child that finds it brings it back to the head of the household. He then redeems it, and they use the word, they use the word redeem. He then redeems it with a special present. To this day, that present is still called the gift of the Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, the Lord is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. 
when leaving Egypt, they had to leave in haste. Therefore, they had, God had it planned they would have no time to put leaven or what you and I call yeast into the dough to make it rise. Jewish history points out that the Jewish women and the servants wore the dough on their backs and their shoulders and the intense heat of the desert sun hardened it into a firm cracker like you see today. Glory to God. God wanted them to see that yeast represents sin. Paul pointed this out in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. For you are clean for Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sanctified. Praise God. Now, I mentioned the Last Supper was the night before Passover. On our calendar, we would call that Tuesday night. Now, how many believe Scripture says as many as are led by the Spirit of God? Amen? And so we don't need to bend Scripture to make tradition true. Amen? And as I say this, continue to celebrate Good Friday, continue to celebrate Easter Sunday. Let's let the world know we believe there was a day our Savior died for our sins and there was a day when he was resurrected from the dead. But Passover week went like this, and you can hear this in Israel. When Jesus had the Last Supper, that first Passover meal on our calendar, we would call it Tuesday night, when actually it was Wednesday morning, the sun had gone down. He died that afternoon, which was a Wednesday. On the day of Passover, there was one hour the Passover lamb had to be slain by. That was the ninth hour. Our Savior lost his breath on that exact hour. How many hear what I'm saying? One hour out of 365 days out of the year. How many believe that's a little bit more than coincidence? According to Mark 15, he was buried after the sun went down. For it says, now the evening had come and Joseph of Arimathea begged for the body from Pilate. So he wasn't buried till after the sun went down, which makes that Thursday morning, which is another feast day, the feast of unleavened bread, when the head of the household is burying the middle piece of matzah. In Israel, they were burying the middle piece of matzah when Jesus was put into the earth. Three days later to this day is another feast day, the Feast of First Fruits. On the Feast of First Fruits, they celebrate the first harvest that comes up from the ground, the first seed they've planted into the earth that rises up. It's the first harvest of the year. Jesus, on that day, became the first fruit from the dead. He died not just the day, but the hour the Passover lamb was to be slain by. Buried that evening on unleavened bread, the second feast when they buried the middle piece of matzah. He was raised from the dead on the feast of first fruits and became the first fruit from the dead. In Matthew, the 12th chapter, the 40th verse, you'll, know, you'll remember it. Jesus said, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth the same amount of time Jonah was in the belly of the whale. How many remember that? When I redid my biblical Hebrew, it was a precious Israeli teacher in Dallas. And, we, and most of our class were Messianic Jews, and she taught it that way. And we asked her, we said, Ruthie, what Jesus said this, can we go back to Jonah and read the Hebrew how long he was in the belly of the earth? She read it, and she said, to put it in modern English in her Jewish accent, Jonah was in the whale three 24-hour days and nights. Now, Jesus said he'd be in the earth the same amount of time. How many think Jesus knew what he was talking about? Praise God. 
But as I say that, how many hear me say continue to celebrate Good Friday? Continue to celebrate Easter Sunday? Well, that's the way it was for 325 years. How many like a little history on this? For 325 years after the resurrection of Jesus, there was no word on the face of the earth in any language called Easter. Even though it's okay to sell, Easter is great. We celebrate the resurrection. In 325 AD, you can look this up at the Council of Nicaea. The Roman church finally granted the power. They had the power and took over. They hated the Jews, threw every Jewish leader out. Because prior to that, they celebrated the resurrection on the feast of first fruits. And Jews were won over every year seeing the connection. They threw every Jewish person out. And they said, no longer will we worship with the Jews. We'll pick the first Sunday after Passover. And they wanted to reach the pagans. So they named it after the goddess of the pagans named Ishtar. She was the goddess of fertility. Now, how many have ever wondered how rabbits got into it? That's the honest truth. Breed like rabbits, but anyway... So uh, it's okay to celebrate Easter. That's where it came from. What they didn't understand the Roman church was the Jewish calendar changes every three to four years. This is one of those years where Passover, they have a leap month every three to four years. This is that year. Glory to God. But I'm so glad we can celebrate a day. Easter, whatever the name is, that our Savior is resurrected from the dead. Now I turn to the bitter herbs represented by the horseradish. The second question the child asks, on all other nights we eat all kinds of vegetables on Passover. Why do we only eat bitter herbs? We remember as sweet as our lives are today. All the life for the children of Israel in Egypt was horrible, filled with pain. So we dip it in to the horseradish and take a bite. And horseradish will always bring tears to your eyes and you remember the hardship. The Jewish children faced in the land of Egypt. And I always mention, history points out, it was at this point, at the Last Supper, Judas dipped with Jesus in the bitter herbs, and his life came to a bitter end. The third question, on other nights, we don't dip our vegetables once if we do not want to, but tonight we dip them twice. We've already dipped the parsley in salt water. Now we have what is called haroset, which is a sweet apple mixture. And you dip into the, into the bitter herbs again. You put the sweet apple mixture. It's ground up apples with many times grape juice, raisins, nuts. And when we're ever at a ceremony where everyone joins in, when I say dip into the bitter herbs again, you hear, oh boy, here we go. But we put the apple mixture on top of it because you're reminded even in the bitterest of times, life can be sweetened with the hope we have in God. Amen? The fourth question the child asks on all other nights, we eat sitting or any way we want to. Tonight we eat reclining. Why is that? Now, I must apologize to Rembrandt. Are you all with me? He's a great artist, but he sure didn't have it right. He didn't ask the Jewish people how to present it. They were not in high back chairs. They were, had a table. The modern day measurement is 18 inches off the floor. This is the way they did it from the time of Moses and in the Jewish communities. Restaurants will fix tables like that for the Jewish families that want it that way. The servants and the ladies 
supplied 50 to 100 huge pillows. And they would lean against and recline on the pillows. That's how Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. That's why it was so easy for John at one point to lean his head against the chest of Jesus. They always remind themselves that first Passover we had to run out in haste. We had no time to rest. And also, when we were slaves, we could only eat when our taskmasters told us. And the way they told us that times as punishment, they ate standing or kneeling. It was horrible. Now they say, we are free. And this is brought out in the Jewish ceremonies that people don't get a chance to hear. Psalm 105, you'll love this, redescribes. The story of the Passover. And the 37th verse said, There was not one feeble... It goes on to say, first, they left with silver and gold. How many remember that? And it says, there's not one feeble person among them. The Hebrew there, biblically, means overflow. Like a waterfall that can't be stopped that's overflowing. See, they had so much silver and gold. How many remember? They couldn't even carry it all. But it also... Talked about healing, where it says there's not one feeble person among them. The Hebrew connotation, that text means overflow healing. How can you have overflow healing? Not only did they get not one headache or ingrown toenail, how many remember reading, their clothes didn't even wear out. For 40 years, that's overflow healing. Isn't that beautiful? Now we turn to the second cup. Hallelujah. The second cup is a full cup. A full cup generally represents joy, but it is the cup of plagues. You see, a full cup means a cup of joy. After I mention each plague, I will take a drop of the grape juice out of the cup. Each time a drop is removed, a little bit of joy is removed from the cup. Even though the plagues were used to set the children of Israel free, and they were set free from the plagues, glory to God, they hurt, the Jewish people hurt for the Egyptian innocent families who were experiencing the plague. So as I mentioned, each plague, you as my Jewish family will repeat it after me, and I will move a drop of grape juice from the cup. The first plague, repeat this after me, blood, blood. Beasts. beasts, cattle disease, disease. boil, Boils. hail, hail. Locusts. locusts, darkness, darkness. and death of the firstborn. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe. Thank you for the fruit of the vine in the name of your Son, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good, isn't he? The shank bone of the lamb is represented next. Everywhere I go, I ask them, bring a chicken bone, not a lamb bone. Some people ask, it, is, it because, is it because chicken is cheaper to buy? No, that's not the reason. Praise God. Two-thirds of the Jewish people in the world will not eat lamb at Passover because they want to remind themselves that the sins of their ancestors destroyed both temples in Israel. Therefore, there are no more sacrifices to remind themselves we have to live right to see Messiah come back and build the third temple. They replace the lamb bone with a chicken bone to remind themselves sin destroys. How many can say amen to that? We have the hard-boiled egg. 
The hard-boiled egg entered the Passover plate during the Babylonian captivity. The egg represents two things in the Jewish culture. It represents hurting and mourning because they hurt for the fact that the first temple was destroyed because of their sins and their rebelliousness from God. But it also means rejoicing and eternal life because it has no corners. So after they were set free, they decided we'll keep the egg on the Passover plate because we want to rejoice that God set us free from slavery again and we will praise him once again. Now, in the Old Testament days and in the days of Jesus, when the Passover meal was over, they would go out, you're going to love this, and generally each town had their own had their own bonfire at the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem. They had a huge bonfire for every family. They would have an egg representing every member of the family. They would put the eggs over the fire and cook them. They knew how long to cook them until they became, as you and I would call, hard-boiled. And then when they were hard-boiled, they would bring them out. Once they cooled, they would crack the shell. Not take the shell off, just crack it. And then they would put it over the fire again, all the eggs, bring them back out after a couple minutes. And once they cooled the second time, together as a family and a community, they would take off the shell, and everywhere there had been a crack, the fire would make a beautiful design on the hard-boiled egg. Why do I share that with you, brothers and sisters? That's why you color Easter eggs to this day. That's where it came from. And now we have the lettuce leaf. You see, the Western world added the romaine lettuce leaf for this reason. There are five bitter herbs that grow in Israel and the Middle East. One of them is almost the exact duplicate to romaine lettuce like we have today. Even though they'll eat from it later during the meal, they have it on the plate to remind themselves, even though we don't live in Israel, Jerusalem is always a part of us everywhere we go. Now, Jewish people have been known to disagree with one another. Unlike church people... Synagogues sometimes disagree with one another. You see what I'm saying? You've heard the expression, if you have two people, you have at least two opinions. And I take this from the Jewish community. They laugh and say, if you have two Jews, you have at least three opinions. <laughs> Praise God. They say that about each other, jokingly. I say that because in the first century, through the centuries, different Jews in different areas talked about different things on the Passover plate. Rabbi Gamaliel, this is in Jewish history, the Rabbi Gamaliel that taught Paul said, okay, I'm going to make a statement. There's three things that have to be a part of the Passover celebration, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, and the Passover lamb. Something representing the Passover lamb. Other than that, you can add the egg and everything else. He put that to a rest. Now I teach you another Jewish word. Everybody say with me, dienu. It simply means it would have been enough. They talk about the great works of God and say if he had done this and not this, it would have been enough, but he chose to do it all. So after each line I say, you as the Jewish family will say after me, Dianu. In Psalm 145, 7, the psalmist said, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. In the synagogues, many times they sing it. In homes, they just say it because not everybody's a good singer you understand what i'm saying 
Hallelujah. And they remind themselves it was God himself, not a seraph. God himself, not an angel. God himself that chose to set the Jewish people free. And let me tell you something. As born again, spirit-filled believers, we know it was God himself that sent his son to die for us and be resurrected to set us free from the sins of the world. The first thing they say is, if the Lord had merely rescued us, but had not judged the Egyptians, say, Dainu, Dainu. If he had destroyed their gods, but had not parted the Red Sea, Dainu. If he had only drowned our enemies, but had not fed us with manna, Dainu. If he had led us through the desert, but had not given us the Sabbath, Dainu. But he, the Holy One, chose to do it all. And as born-again, spirit-filled believers, we can say, if he chose to give us the born-again experience to get us to heaven, why, Dainu, it would have been enough. But he chose us also the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we could have the power of God in our lives. Glory to God. I turn to the third cup. This is the cup after the meal. This is the cup of redemption represented by the third promise God gave Moses. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. The prophet Isaiah reminds us surely the arm of the Lord. And they repeat this is not short that it cannot save. As Jesus lifted up this, this became the communion cup, the cup of redemption. And he said this in Luke 22 too, This cup is the new covenant of my blood which is poured out for you. Glory to God. As I lift it up, I pray. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. Thank you for the fruit of the vine in the name of your Son, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. One last cup. Yes, it's a cup of victory. It's taken from the promise, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. But its main name is the cup of Elijah. In Malachi 4, 5, God said, I, See, I will send the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. So it is at this point, a young child, generally five, six, or seven, they send them out the front door to see in every Jewish home if Elijah is there. And I'm telling you, it is so cute because as we grow up, we talk about how we literally expected one year to have an old prophet out there with a robe and a beard say, take me in to your Passover celebration. The child comes back in and said, no, he's not there. And they remind themselves, Elijah did not see death, but he was swept up to heaven by a great whirlwind and a chariot of fire. And it's the Jewish hope that one day Elijah would come to Passover to announce, coming behind me is Messiah, the son of David. Now here's something you need to hear you won't hear everywhere. And it's been carried down through Jewish tradition. Jewish oral tradition is strong to this day. The fathers tell the sons, tell the grandsons, so on and so forth. And they talk about Genesis, the 48th chapter, which I feel is a beautiful part of the Passover experience. You'll remember it in the first few verses, because prior to that, Joseph told them, when my father is surely dying, tell me, I need to be there. They came and said, he's got his last breaths. Joseph ran up with his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and I have to ask, how many have ever tried to help out God and you got in the way a little bit? I'll be the first to raise my hand. The greater blessing was supposed to be to the oldest son, traditionally. So Joseph put 
Manasseh by the right hand of, of uh, Jacob. And he put Ephraim by the left hand of his father, Jacob. Now, praise God. That's the way tradition was. Scripture says that Jacob's eyes were now dim. The Hebrew literally means he could only see shadows. He could not see exactly who was in front of him. He could barely see an outline. But the Jewish people teach Jacob moved supernaturally, prophetically, when he crossed his arms. He knew which way to go by the Spirit of God. Joseph grabbed his arms and tried to straighten them out. He said, no, my son, I know what I'm doing. Manasseh will be great, but his younger brother will be greater. He crossed his arms and gave the greater blessing to Ephraim. And it is taught in the Jewish culture, someday, son, when Messiah comes, the Father in heaven, like Jacob, will cross his arms. And the pains and the sufferings and the mistakes we've made will be taken by Messiah. And the eternal life and glory Messiah had with his Father through all eternity will be given unto those that receive him. Brothers and sisters, that took place at Calvary and the resurrection. Come on, say amen. At this time, we remember our Messiah is coming back. We look forward to his return. Every Passover in every country in the world ends this way. Lashana Haba'ah by Yerushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem, may we celebrate. Everybody just lift a hand toward heaven. God is so good. Let's just praise him right now. Hallelujah. This is a church that believes in miracles. I believe in across the country we have seen thousands of people healed, thousands of things turned around, the gifts of the Spirit. But during Passover, we concentrate on the greatest miracle. It's the miracle of salvation. How, how many believe salvation is still the greatest miracle? We had people saved in the earlier service. Glory to God. I'm going to ask just for a moment every hand down. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came and not only died, he was resurrected from the dead. Amen? If you're here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, we've seen thousands saved across the country. If you're not sure that if Jesus were to come back before this service ends, that you'd go to be with him. If you're not sure, you're right with God. And you want to be sure, raise your hand so I can see it. Is there anybody? Praise God. Raise it again if, you, if I didn't see it. I'm going section by section. Is there anybody? You're not sure you're saved and you want to be saved. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's all lift our hand and praise him one time. Hallelujah. In the earlier part of the service, pastor said you prayed for healing. I feel a healing flow through this place. I'm not going to bring anyone to the front, but pastor, I heard this rise up in my spirit. Praise God. Arthritis is leaving this place right now in the name of Jesus. I heard this on the way in when we were driving in this morning that at this service, arthritic symptoms, whether it's been diagnosed as arthritis or not, if you have stiffness, swelling, pain in the joints, I'm asking you right now, do what you couldn't do before. You're healed in the name of Jesus. There was a power during in the early service when pastor told me the anointed people, I knew the power of healing was there. This is just confirmation. Go ahead, do what you couldn't do before. An arm, a leg, a shoulder. Somebody needs to move their neck. There's healing in the house. How many believe that? And I'm going to ask one more thing. 
How many need a miracle in their family? You have family members that need Jesus. You have family members that are bound and need set free. Am I right? If that's you, glory to God, lift your hand, let's pray. I'm going to rebuke the devil. How many will agree with me? How many know the devil's defeated under our feet in the name of Jesus? So let's tell him to take his hands off our loved ones. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command all power of darkness, get your hands off of our loved ones in Jesus' name. And Lord, you said, Jesus said, pray laborers in the harvest. We pray laborers in the harvest to come forth, praise God, and reach our unsaved loved ones for Jesus. Praise God. Just before I turn it over to pastor, I just take 30 seconds at the most, glory to God, to tell you what we're doing. As my wife and I travel, we're supporting three missions works in Israel. How many believe everybody deserves a chance to hear about Jesus? There's a benevolence work in Jerusalem. We've known these Jewish believers since the late 70s when I was first in ministry. God called them to Israel. They're working with warehouses full of food, feeding the destitute and poor in Jerusalem. It's reaching Israelis for Jesus. We've been supporting a born-again, spirit-filled rabbi and his wife. We also worked with in Jewish ministry in the late 70s in New York. And God called he and his family. They have a congregation of born-again again Israelis in Haifa hallelujah they need our support and then I want to say the thing we've been doing for the last six years it was presented in our laps God told me we would be supporting an orphanage in Israel a born-again orphanage praise God we're reaching out and supporting the people doing the work of the first born-again Israeli foster home orphanage in Israel. Do you hear what I'm saying? How many believe we can reach Israeli children for Jesus that have nowhere to go, that have lost one or both parents? Whatever you give will help Israel. Thank you so much. Pastor, it was such a joy being here. Hallelujah. If you want, we can sing another song during the offering. Is that okay? Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Did you enjoy that this morning? Wow. I have taught on the Passover for, for decades, but I have never had it visualized before me, and it answered so many questions uh, for me this morning, and I hope and pray you were blessed, and your own faith came to a new life and a new light as you heard the aspects of Passover revealed, which really reveals Jesus. Deacon Joy Silverman. Amen. If you get a chance, please stop him back and thank them for their ministry this morning and enrich your family library with the resources that they have. I want to speak blessing over you. Don't get sunburned today. I see all those white faces out there. I know the cabin fever. It would have been a lot easier for you to fertilize your lawn today, but you came to church. Amen. Uh, I, I feel like I haven't given birth this morning because I haven't preached, and it's a weird feeling. I, I don't think I've missed a Sunday since the beginning of the year, but it's good to receive from others it is good to be able to have the Jewish roots of the Christian faith explained. I want to stretch my hand over you and speak blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your precious blessing, your divine favor upon your people. 
Lord, you've had a plan, an agenda for the nations. We have seen that plan unfold this morning. As the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the earth, was proclaimed and predicted through the Passover, then fulfilled at the cross. And Lord, we're so thankful that you have a plan for our lives. We don't know about tomorrow or what this week may entail, but we know this one thing. We know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. And so, Father, we pray the grace of our God, the grace of the Father, and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of His Holy Spirit upon one and all, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Go in God.